The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Okay, and we're going to do a a brief Q&A, and we're going to do our best to get you guys out of here close to 8.30. Before we get started, this has become somewhat of a symposium tradition. I take a selfie with you guys to promote night two of the symposium. You up for that? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll just, I'll come right here. Oh, let's turn it around. All right. Oh, oh, I did the thing where I blocked the camera. There we go. Uh-huh. Very good. All right, thank you, guys. Um, okay. So I'm going to do one question for you and one question for you, and then we're going to do some rapid fire. I left the books down there. Let me grab them real quick. Okay, so let's start with you, Scotty. Um, And I actually wanted to read from one of your books here. Uh, You talk about how our life in the new earth will be filled with perfect relationships. Um, And this is crazy. I opened your book, and this is the prayer that I opened to, completely by providence, I guess you would say. Um, But this is from August 16th. It says, Gracious Jesus, at times I fantasize about running off to Switzerland with my family, living in a community of chalets with several other healthy families, Escaping the craziness of church life, disengaging from the chaos of my culture, eating good food, enjoying the Christian life, and waiting for your second coming. That's a confession of sin, not a prayer request. (laughs) I love that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have had that same fantasy, right? Um, Because all you guys. Um, (laughs) So, so, how do we keep... (laughs) How do we keep our eyes on what's to come, this perfect life, um, such that we learn to embrace our brokenness and, and the journey to health? Well, very, very briefly, it's just kind of a 30-second summary of what we talked about tonight. The, the more I'm convinced that the life of Eden is the life for which I've been made, you know, I begin to honor the longings. I begin to realize I'm not just a whiner, I'm not just crazy. But then also the more we see how the story unfolds in the Scripture, uh, which requires a greater understanding of the gospel, exactly lo- what Bob was saying tonight. Um, but but here's the kicker. Uh, that fourth panel, um, see the scriptures, to read the New Testament, you, you will increasingly discover that the authors of the New Testament spend a lot more time reflecting upon the life to come as a way of living in this moment to the glory of God. So it's not pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. It's knowing that God will complete his good work in us individually and in your neighbor and in his world. It's, it, it translates into what Tom Wright, a New Testament scholar, refers to as seeing biblical hope as remembering God's future into the present. And so really, it's, it's, uh, it, it's saying this is the life, this is the citizenship we already enjoy. Let's live more consistently with our citizenship. Let's, let's uh, not give up on the reality of the brokenness in our hearts and in our community because we are assured of this. Um, God is at work, and God will complete his work. And so we don't just hold on, we move into. And uh, we, we learn to commune with Jesus individually and corporately. And, uh, we, and we repent, and uh, we rejoice, and we hope for one another. That's good. R- related to that, Bob, you talked about Christian community is supposed to look different than sort of a baseline community that w- we might see in the world. Um, so if the church is meant to offer culture these foretastes of the coming kingdom, 
can you give us some uh, examples of what that would look like practically? Yeah, well, a couple things real simply. One, um, repentance. Mm. Right, like no one outside of a Christian context meaningfully, like people say, sorry if I hurt your feelings, right? But they don't say, I was wrong, will you forgive me? And so I think just the dynamic of repentance in the church is so profound for a non-Christian coming in going, really? You guys like really acknowledge that you're wrong? If we don't do that, then, then they just experience us as sort of another version of sort of, you know, political posturing, right? Of like, well, you know, we're just sort of trying to, to look good on the surface. So I think repentance... Um, I think the dynamic of, like, real meaningful pressing into longings and hope and dreams and that new heavens, new earth, um, because if, if what Scotty said is true, which it is, and every human being is hardwired with this, this sense that I'm made for here beyond this, um, th- then inviting people to sort of explore those longings, um, see them for what they are, I think that's a compelling way that we have something deeper and more meaningful to offer that, that pulls people in and helps them say, hey, you know, that, you know that longing that you have that doesn't seem like it's getting fulfilled? Well, let's sort of put that in this right place. And one more thing to that uh, in light of the whole story. To see Jesus having signed on for two things, redeeming his bride from every nation and making all things new, it, it takes what Bob just described in terms of the internal relational dynamic of the body of Christ, and, and it moves us into the community where we live, we begin to say, uh, uh, part, part church is not really a church unless it's, helping, unless it's thinking in terms of making this part of Denver a better place to live in. So where's systemic evil? Where's justice and mercy issues? Uh, you know, Jesus has come uh, to eventually, uh, he has defeated evil, he is committed to eradicate evil. So how does a congregation like this begin to say, um, we want to be the best neighbors. Uh, we, we want to care for, about when gentrification comes into our community. What are the implications of that for the gospel? How, you know, we know one day the word orphan will no longer be in the human vocabulary. We know that one day human trafficking will not exist because of Jesus. How do we move into those stories right now? Because the gospel is true. So it's, 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 it's us doing a greater sense of humility, less posing, less pretending together, and, and, and living God's story and seeing that every single one of us has a calling, every one of our vocations is to be an arena in which the good, true, and the beautiful of the kingdom can be realized. So. That's great. Anything else on that? Good. Okay. We're going to do this. We're going to go rapid fire through their books, uh, and then Tifa's going to close us in a song. All right? So uh, basically, I want, a, I want a 60 second trailer from you guys on why you wrote these books. How many seconds? 60 seconds. 60 seconds? Yeah. And I've been calling you Bob. This says Robert H. Would you prefer That's Robert? my official name. That's my okay. official Robert H. editorial okay. name. Robert Sorry H. about that, Robert H. Uh, so this book was written by Robert H. Thune, co-authored by him. Um, it's called The Gospel-Centered Life, and a lot of you guys have been through it. Uh, but if you haven't, will you give us the 60 seconds on why you wrote it? 60 seconds. Uh, my, my dear friend in the gospel, Will Walker, who worked with us in Omaha for five years and then planted a church in Austin, uh, that book we actually wrote as a discipleship curriculum for our church. And we were drawing from some material that World Harvest Mission had that we had been familiar with. And we felt like it was kind of written for like legalistic Christians. And our church was primarily not so legalistic non-Christians. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to sort of capture the, the heart of that material, but make it accessible for our church. And we did that. And then 
people started saying, hey, this is really good. Can I send it to my mom's church? Can I send a copy to my brother? And so eventually it ended up with, uh, with what is now Surge and New Growth Press, and they put it all uh, together. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a real blessing to us to see how God's used it. Awesome. And these are all available over at the bookstore. Did this come out of Gospel-Centered Life? Gospel this was sort of the second. So, so if Gospel-Centered Life is, what does the gospel look like in my own soul, my own life? Gospel-Centered community is what we're talking about this weekend. How does that begin to affect how we live in community together? So it's more the relational implications of the gospel. That's what that second one is. Okay. So the first one's more, how does the gospel impact How does the gospel me? renew me? How does yep. it change me? How does it deal with my idolatry, yep. my self-righteousness, those things? And then, yeah, the second one is, how does that work okay. itself out? And this one is called Gospel eldership and it was endorsed by a guy named scotty ward smith any relation to this guy i think oh I that's think they're it. related yeah, yeah. Related. all right yeah. okay tell us about this book uh this is a book that i wrote to train and develop and equip elders for the local church and again it's just having elders is good having elders that understand the dynamics of gospel renewal and actually as scotty said a few minutes ago that the leadership culture of the church begins to take on the, the dynamics of gospel change that's what that book is sort of designed to help facilitate got it okay and so that's for all you nerds out there in the crowd if any of you guys want that one um and i noticed that you were not asked to um, endorse any of scotty's books that we have yeah it's, that's how that's how it works okay i'm, I'm a <laughs> You know, Scotty has other people to endorse his books that are more well-known than me. So So you weren't asked. Okay. All right. I just wanted to clear that up. All right. Great. Um, Thank you, brother. (laughs) Hey, man, there's grace for it. There's grace. Listen, who sold more books, me or Tim Keller? That's just, that's a good thing. The gospel frees you from having to compare yourself to Tim Keller. That's that's good. Um, All right. I'm going to get in trouble if I stay up for too long. So let's just, let's wrap this up. Uh, everyday prayers. Will you, will you tell us about this one? Yeah. So, you know, I, I would have never envisioned writing a book of my prayers as though pray like I pray. That book actually, like Bob said for Gospel Center Life, it did not start as a book. It was about seven years ago, came to a point in my walk with Jesus where my heart got disengaged from my theology. And fortunately, I had been discipled by a, a wonderful man named Jack Miller that uh, taught me the discipline of preaching the gospel to my heart that I talked to a lot of other people about more so than I practiced in my own life. And so really, I started getting up about seven years ago, early in the morning, saying, I'm just going to simply start blasting my heart. I'm going to take a portion of scripture and pray it and linger in it and just, and just ask the spirit to come and take this informed mind and make it an inflamed heart. And I wrote a few of these prayers, started getting up, started writing because I'm very ADD. So I would get up early in the morning, write the scripture just for my own benefit, pray it as I was reading it. And then a couple of those seemed to be helpful to some people in crisis. So I'd send them an email. And next thing you know, can I pass this on to someone else? And then, so that became uh, a book of 365 prayers for one day of each uh, calendar year. And, uh, Again, I, I would never say that my prayers uh, are somehow or another, use my words and God will listen to you. They're just a model of, here's how you can pray the gospel. Here's how you can pray the scriptures. And, and that segues into the next book that just came out, Every Season Prayers. Um, I, I do a daily blog where I write new prayers every day and send them uh, out every day. And uh, for the course of the last several years, people around the world have written and said, do you have a prayer for? So Every Season Prayers is... Uh, a new kind of book. It's not dated on the calendar. There are short prayers or prayers of lament, 
There's prayers for uh, people like myself that need to know how to pray through certain issues. Like uh, early in my marriage, neither my wife or I knew that we were both, uh, we had no memory of being uh, childhood survivors of sexual abuse. And so topics began to emerge within our story and in people around the world saying, how do you pray when you don't know how to say, God, where were you when my uncle abused me? So there's just all kinds of prayers in there. There are corporate prayers for corporate worship. There's about 100 prayers of confession that start with the gospel and corporate confession of sin for uh, building local liturgies. There are one-sentence prayers. It's just, you know, it's just kind of a response to people saying, can you help us pray like this? So that's it. That's great, great. And these books are all available over the bookstore. They're $10 each. Joel, are you coming up? You bringing your baby? Okay, great. Joel and Tifa are going to come up, and they're going to close us with a song. Let's give these guys one last round of applause.